Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail! The greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Rosemary's Baby. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome, everyone, to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the Taskmaster, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the Big Rosemary's Baby, Bowski. <laughs> the Big Rose Bowski. <laughs> and uh, I, your, your first time, four-time, returning guest, Curse the Bod, Bonapani. That's right. The bo- See, he came in with a nickname. That's not fair. You didn't have to even figure it out. I, I was born with that nickname. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Kid was ripped. As an infant. So this is the show where we talk about every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which one is the greatest of them all. And today, we are live and in living color once again. Woo! This is becoming a thing. The second like time only. Formats. If you guys could only see the behind the scenes, there is just, we're in like an actual studio, there's so much equipment everywhere, there's just pages of yes, notes. Yes, that's true. We're trying to make Tuesdays great again. <laughs> make Thursdays great again. That's what I meant. Yeah. And actually, speak, speaking of Thursday, congratulations to the Red Sox on their one playoff victory against the Yankees on Tuesday. Or, unfortunately, the Red Sox didn't quite uh, didn't quite do it on Tuesday. But I'm going with the first option. Congratulations, congratulations. To, congratulations to the American East team who won on Tuesday night. <laughs> Crazy how hit for the cycle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, two-nothing Sox. <laughs> All right. Oh, we're good. Well, the Sox are playing the Yankees today, and speaking of Satan, uh, <laughs> he is a character in this movie. He, he might not be the worst person we talk about today. We're talking Rosemary's Baby. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we took a trip to Toontown with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where Derek, uh, Derek expressed his, his complete lack of knowledge about Los Angeles and the history of movies and really just embarrass the show. Can I interject? As a fan of the show, not even as a guest, completely blindsided by your takes, Derek. I will say that um, even though I didn't really care for the movie, I did come up with the the classic New Burger King's burger. um, The Cotton Candy Burger. The Cotton Candy Burger, which... Oh, Cotton Candy Whopper. The Cotton Candy Burger will be buying soon and and we'll completely (laughs) defeat McDonald's with that. Nice. No, for real, when when you bust out that sandwich... I went and got a Whopper. I didn't have any cotton candy, so I threw some Skittles on it. <laughs> the Skittles Whopper. <laughs> I mean, the texture there is going to be a little odd. But yeah, it, was, it, it. it wasn't what I wanted, but yeah, definitely. Well, Dis- Disney should sell those in the park. They should. They, they come pretty close to it sometimes. But uh, yeah, that was uh, check that episode out. That's a super fun episode. Find that one or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. Subscribe. Review if you can. It'd be extremely helpful for the show. And... If you have anything you want us to cover, or you have anything to say to us at all, you can find us on social media. We are the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Wreck on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 
And as our old friend Bruce Wayne would say, do you think Bruce Wayne has dealt with Satan in the past? I mean, the likes of him. The Joker's up there. He's, he's like, he's showed down with dark side. Say, in in uh, Pol- Polanski's version of Satan, I'd say man bat. Yeah. <laughs> like physically. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good pull. Man bat. It's a good pull. Yeah. Yeah, well, as he would say, tell your friends about us. So let's welcome our new Lord, the Antichrist. With Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby is a 1968 horror movie, suspense movie, whatever you want to call it. It's directed by uh, Roman Polanski. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, it stars Mia Farrow as Rosemary Woodhouse, John Cassavetes as Guy Woodhouse, Ruth Gordon as Minnie Castavet, and Sidney Blackmer as Roman Castavet. It's got an 8.0 on IMDb, it's got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 96% on Metacritic. Reviews have come a long way since 1968. Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert, 4 out of 4. Here's the quote. It is very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you get the best. That's, yeah. (laughs) Diane Thomas of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution says it establishes Mia Farrow as an actress of stature and that Roman Polanski will be remembered. Maybe for another reason yeah. you want to. <laughs> uh, for a Maybe negative one, uh, Renata Adler of the New York Times says, The movie, while it is pleasant, doesn't seem to work on any of its dark or powerful terms, which is a weird review. Pleasant, well, pleasant. Ple- yeah. Even the, the ad, I don't think it's a, I mean, it's a movie where someone is raped by the devil. Yeah, sounds it's, so it's pleasant. Not pleasant. It sounds like this woman just got her desk job as a journalist. And she's like, here's the movie after review. She's like, don't give them all good reviews. She's like, so Rosemary's Baby, I don't yeah, get it. This is definitely a lady who didn't watch the movie. Oh, Rosemary's Baby, that sounds so pleasant. Pleasant, yeah. throw it out there. It's good. There's no way she watched this movie. Yeah, it's, it's okay, it's this, fine. This it movie came out in June. Should have came out in October. Yeah, June 11th. So, Happy before birth- my birthday. Happy birthday. Day before yeah. my birthday. Happy birthday, Derek. So this came out on your birthday. And Derek, what are the last four of your social security number? <laughs> six, six, six. <laughs> so when did we first see this movie? Derek. I saw it a few years ago. Me and Gia made a point to watch it. <clears throat> and um, I really had no idea about this movie, what it really was about. But I knew that it took place in John Lennon's later apartment and where he would be killed That's outside. Yep. We'll, we'll go. We'll go over that. Yeah, right That's, where yeah. right where Terry the character dies is where, like, mm-hmm. right a few inches, few feet is where Lennon died. So it was like watching it again. I was like, oh crap, very aware of that. Mm-hmm. But a few years ago, we both watched it, and I think uh, I think we both really really enjoyed it. But I will say that I watched it a second time a couple days ago, and I really enjoyed it the second time. I'm glad to hear that you really enjoyed it. Yep, Chris, when uh, when did you first see it? It's it's one of those things for me that I, I've been seeing this movie. I can't trace the exact time, but I definitely knew that this movie used to pump. I would say like the high school used to pump me every October. Yeah, I definitely have to watch that one again. And then later in college, we studied it in a odd choice, a Polanski slash Hitchcock class. And this was one. Yeah, we started. With, I, just, I just made a, a surprise face because <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. this is an audio medium. Yeah, this, <laughs> this guy, uh, you know, I went to college in California and uh, he taught a suspense horror film class, and those are the guys he went with. So this was one of those. Interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I'd go Polanski. Polanski's a great director. Oh, dude, we had to read yeah. the biography and everything. Like, yeah. I know way more about Polanski. 
Like that one reviewer who said, like, we'll remember him. This is like his fifth masterpiece. Yeah. Wow. By this time, by 1968. Really? Yeah. This would be like his and fifth this is, now? And this is... Like, at 68? No, no. Like, at the time in 68, he had already made four masterpieces. That's what I meant. Wow. That's yeah. insane. And I mean, this is, this is before even he... Like, culturally, before the, you know, the rape stuff, it was, you know, his movies and Manson. Right? Like, right. yeah. So... That and that Manson's the next year from this, I think, right? Or it's sixty nine. Sixty nine, yeah. So it's the following year, is you know Sharon Tate is murdered, yeah. and that's kind of the Beatles, you know, sort of weird Beatles connection of the movie as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's you know Helter Skelter. Helter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Manson uses Helter Skelter, Sharon Tate, and then make you know makes this you know, Polanski makes this movie, and John Lennon shot where the movie was made. Yeah, Twelve right. years later, yeah. And the violence is as far as the violence goes. This is like, I mean, the other violent filmmaker at the time is Peckinpah. This is more violent than the Peckinpah movies because the the Peckinpah violence is sudden and brash, but this these these this violence it lingers. Yes, and it's it's very matter of fact almost the violence in this. It's just, you know, it, it, not even and the violence as well as like sort of the horrifying stuff, even if it's non-violent, like. The, I'm thinking of the scene where they find the the woman's body who had committed suicide, and it's just like she's just doesn't look good, mm-hmm. and it's just like the cops are just like eh yeah well whatever it's this, this is that, and yeah it's uh and and then you know the the end of the movie where it's, you know everyone's just sort of like oh yeah here's yeah. the Antichrist and we're like this is what we're doing spoiler sorry guys yeah we're getting ahead yeah we're getting ahead of ourselves let's uh, let's get back on track. So let's talk about what happens in the movie. Now, Derek, are you, being in person, are you going to play a song or are you going to well, stop do, much? Do you have a couple of pods? I mean, I can do one and you can do one and we can, <laughs> we can uh, play. I don't think you want my pod in your ear right now. They have to be cleaned. Um, unless you want some of me inside. I, I really don't. Yeah, please enter me. Uh, I guess we'll just go straight up. I'll, I'll just play whatever I'm playing on silent. So you can do your thing. Come in. What well, are you playing on silent? But I for, will. I for, will for the eventual Spotify playlist. What are you playing? You on know silent? what? Let's let, let's do this right. Let's do it right. Let's do um. Let's do "Jealous Guy" by John Lennon. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Rosemary and Guy Woodhouse move into a new apartment and decide to have a baby. Their private lives are invaded by new nosy neighbors, the Castavets. Uh, one night, Guy allows the devil to have sex with a passed out Rosemary to get a leg up in his acting career. This results in a pregnancy. Turns out the cast of it's are part of a coven of witches that are trying to bring the Antichrist into the world. Rosemary figures this out, but too late. After the birth, Rosemary, defeated, decides to help raise the child. 27 seconds. Alright. And there's a there's a lot more to it, but yeah. that's uh, the, the general shape of the, the, the story. The devil's in the details in this movie. Yeah, I would say. Rightly so. Yep. So, let's talk about what we like about the movie. So, let's go uh, our top three scenes. So, Chris, as our guest, what's your number three favorite scene? All right, so let me throw you um, back to where you just were. This is an honorable mention. Can I do an honorable mention? Go for it. Uh, Charles Grodin, honorable mention. Charles Grodin, the whole segment. I feel like, pacing-wise, that enters perfectly. And I watched this last night with someone who had seen it for the first time. And they're very much <clears throat> into the story. And they turned and say, is he creepy too? And I'm like, just watch. Just yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah. This, this made his career, this movie, Charles Grodin. 
We all love Charles. This is a Charles Grodin we're, podcast. We're, I'm a Charles Grodin guy. All right, good. Same. I, I've been so, pitching Midnight Run for a while. You've pitched Midnight Run once. In my brain, 50 times. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Because you've been texting me on and off about Midnight Run. I cannot wait to hear that. I'd send so. you penis pics and just <laughs> Charles Grodin Midnight Run scenes. So, so to back up... This, where this we podcast were... is now renamed 1159, the Midnight Run podcast. <laughs> back, back, back to where Rick was at. My number three scene is meeting the Castavets. That's also the scene where we meet Terry, who is now deceased... And this scene is very haunting for a lot of reasons. The way it's shot, the wide angles, the way the Castavits are costumed coming up the street to the silence, the clicking of the heels, and the way that the violence, for the first time, really, the American audience is spending time with things like a violent suicide. If you notice, there's a dent on the beetle. Her head hit the beetle, you know? And there's some gore and blood coming from the, you know, it's not just red paint, which was like progressive violence in the early 60s. Oh, shit, he just... That cowboy just got shot, and now he's bleeding red paint. This is, like, the progress from there on out. Yep. This scene always strikes me, and if I, if we're going back to when we did used to, you know, first seen this movie, this was the one that, you know, and would get you into this movie. Like, oh, shit. So this is this is the same, I mean, just, I mean, this is October. This is our, our first, you know, of, of four horror movies. We're doing a, a different decade each week. This is the same year as Night of the Living Dead. This is a pivotal year for horror. You know, this is this is coming out of the 60s and, you know, the summer of love is in the past now. Yeah. And movies are getting... We talked about this in our Oliver episode, which is also the same year. If you look at the Oscars from this year and look at the Oscars from two to three years later and what movies are coming out, what the 70s will end up being, this is a very 70s movie. This yeah. is, you know, this... With a few different actors, this could easily be a new Hollywood movie. Yeah. Um, but now, what do you think is just to get off track for one second? What do you? Who do you think is more nihilistic in their movie? Polanski's this movie by Polanski or Night of the Living Dead by Romero? Which one of those is more nihilistic? I think they're both nihilistic in very different ways. I think Night of the Living Dead is like, yeah, there can be some good people, but they're just gonna get killed at the end anyway. And this movie is just like. Pretty much everyone you know is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it's... it's I, got, I think yeah. I give the edge to this one. Yeah. I mean, because... Night of the Living Dead gives you a little hope and then snuffs it out. Night of the Living Dead is... is nihilism is tied to geography. Like, yeah. this broad country. We not we all know it's Pittsburgh suburbs, but... Yeah. It's just, like, shot to be, like, this broad countryside. It's, like, the U.S. countryside. This... This, this is New York City. It's, it's interesting, I think, because... You know, and these... These, it's very interesting that these movies came out at the same time because these movies are hitting on subjects that are hot-button issues still today. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... I don't want to necessarily say it's a feminist movie, but there's definitely feminist philosophy between it. I think it. it's yeah. definitely... In, uh, yeah. I don't think... I shouldn't say... I don't think it's, like, an empowering feminist movie, necessarily. No. But I think that the themes of, like... Not empowering, but I, definitely representative. I, I watched Promising a Woman the other day. It's a lot of the same themes. A lot of like, you need to listen to women when they say something's wrong, and it, it's it's you know, in Night of the Living Dead, obviously, a lot has you know with racism and, and yeah. you know these are the same conversations we're having mm-hmm. fifty years later. <laughs> like incredible, yeah. You know, but we're we're off track here, Derek. What is your uh, what's your number three scene? My number three is the the odd nightmare that um, that she has like early in the movie when we see the devil and we see like she's basically being raped by the devil, so to speak. Um, 
I remember watching it the other night and going, wow, I forgot how early this was in the movie. Yeah. And the imagery is, it's it's horrific, but it's also like, there are parts of it, and a lot of the movies like this, where I feel like characters, they don't seem evil, they're just quirky. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of makes them kind of like, huh, yeah. you turn your head and go, what, what's this all about now? They don't seem evil up front, because that would just be too obvious. It's not like uh, people thought Anton LaVey was in this movie, like he played the devil, and it's like, that's not true, it's a hoax. People trying to make it sound more evil than what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was just some, you know, whatever. But the dream itself was very eerie, but it was really artistic. It almost felt like a music video, you know, yeah. one, maybe one of the first like music videos filmed. But uh, it just, uh, it caught me, and it just, I remember her saying that, that famous line, too, where she's like, oh, no, this is real, like, this is, this is real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been done so many other times in movies, people, like, you know, kind of repeat it and stuff but I just thought this was very very good it was just it was filmed right there was so many different moments that you you could you can go and dissect it and be like what's this like ship captain doing and like what does he have to do with this and so let me just interrupt you what who is the ship captain to you I don't know I mean it it, it seems like the ship captain might be the one steering the boat and it could be the manipulation of the people in her life and I'm going to go into that a little bit later because the manipulation of people yeah. in this movie. I usually, I'm the type of person where I see villains and I'm like, mm-hmm. I kind of agree with the villains in some movies. This movie, <laughs> I wanted so bad for for her character to just get get what she wants. I felt mm-hmm. so, it, I, the, 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 the scene in the beginning where she's like, she wakes up and she's like, I don't feel good. And like, what was that last night? And then you find out that he like had sex with her. Yeah. And you're like... The fuck's wrong well, with this guy? Or after that's that, that's the, the the lie is like even if the lie is true, it's it's horrifying. I mean, that, this is this is my number three scene as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, going to jump, jump in. in. Jump in. So, it, it just it, again, it, it's not a pleasant scene to watch, but it's so well made and so well crafted. Yeah. You know, and and like I said, it raises questions like, who is the ship captain? Are these women the like my take on it is like these women are failed attempts at this before. And she is in some kind of, uh, like, in-between world. Limbo yeah. thing. Yeah. And and these these women are the victims of this coven. Nice take. I mean, yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts, Chris? Mine is, is, is not as deep as yours. The captain in the, the nautical aspect of this had always kind of represented, like, to me, the guy kind of looks like John Kennedy, who at one time was president, who mm-hmm. was assassinated in front of everybody. And he kind of speaks in that accent, and he looks like him vaguely, and it's like this lady is seeing John Kennedy on this boat with all these people that are rich people, and it seems like what I think Polanski <clears throat> was trying to go for is like these are the ones that will destroy you, and they're not they're not the people that are actually destroying her. But when she's in that place of in between worlds and in this dream world, you're seeing like beautiful and obviously rich because they're hanging out on a yacht and they're all dressed fine you're seeing like a class of people that she's not a part of mm. and and they're in that in-between yeah. world yeah and it this this movie it, it is that they, they to afford this apartment i i for for fun looked up like how much would it cost to live in the dakota yeah what do you come up with more than i have uh it, it's it was in it was like i think like 8000 a month that's really not that bad in the in the 60s or is this one in, in now now oh, that's now. that's not bad that's like living in east boston guys 8 grand <laughs> 8 grand for like is, that is, was probably like a studio yeah uh, okay yeah like it was 
and I mean, if you, if you guys haven't been to the Dakota, if you you know listeners, you haven't I mean, been eight there. Eight grand a month is atrocious. It's of course, but across. I was the, expecting like twenty grand. A month. It's the it's across the street from Central Park. I'm sure they're not putting like the expensive like penthouses on fucking you know Redfin or whatever. Right. Um, but and it's like that building has a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, whether or not you believe in you know the supernatural or Whatever I I tend to believe certain places can have energy, you know, and whether or not that be supernatural or just like a fact of humanity that we don't quite understand yet, when things happen in a place, it has it leaves yeah. a mark. Mm-hmm. I think people get the chills when they go through the cemetery at night. Yes, it's the same thing. But you know, it's, like I said, I've been to different cities. Like I've been to New Orleans, where it's like, oh, this place has a different feel. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, but localized to one apartment. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're saying, like seeing where, like, oh, this is where John Lennon was murdered. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so many people there. It's right across from Central Which in Park. itself is terrifying. Yes. It's, and it's, it's bizarre because it's such a touristy place. It's such a touristy street. Like, I've seen... The gothic architecture. The gothic architecture. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't fit no. with anything around it. No. Mm-hmm. That building, yeah. if nobody was ever killed there, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? It looks right. like it was built by some kind of a Satanist. It, it looks like if the devil was going to rape a woman, it'd be in that <laughs> apartment. It'd be in this building. It'd be like, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fucking very creepy, creepy building. That was a good tangent. Thank you. I'm good. I'm, we're, we're, we're perfecting the tangent here, I feel like. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, Chris, what's your, uh, what's your number two scene? So, let's throw it back to where you guys were a minute ago. Okay. My number two scene is that same scene. I mean, we we already covered it. We already discussed it. Nothing else more really can be said about it, except um, the way the ambiguity of what is real, what is fake. She wakes up in the morning, and then there's physical scars. You know, perfectly done. Yeah. And to to top on that, um, I think what I was reading is the sequel that was written by. Um, Ira Levin, he. The, no, the assu- novel secret. Yeah, I'm assuming he's a he. Ira. Yeah. I didn't actually look it up, but I think it's Ira. The sequel. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Um, the sequel apparently starts off with Rose, basically Rosemary, just dreaming everything from the first novel. That's a book that gets flung across the room. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But I'm saying that I'm surprised that he did that because now it makes me rethink of like, what he meant to do in the story. He must have hated the movie. Because Polanski wrote the screenplay. Right. But, yeah, I, th- uh, I think I think so much of this movie is like, what do you believe? What does she believe? Who's believing who? Or so much of the story. I I have the the novel. I haven't read it yet. The the version, not the sequel. How long is it? Doesn't seem super long. Yeah, but I, I haven't read it yet. But it's 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 next up for me. But nice. it, I I get so much of the. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it more. But Derek, which two? So it's the scene right after the party that she throws. And her husband, Guy, is so manipulative during the scene. Because during the party, her friends are like, no, 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 don't do that, do this, this is what we've all done, like, do these things. And he's trying to get into the kitchen, and they're like, stay out, we're going to help you. What are you doing in there? And stay out. And they're trying to help her, and they're regular people who are like, we want you to have a healthy pregnancy, and all this, all these things. And after the party, he's, like, really raising his voice. He's really manipulating her. He's like, your, your fucking bitch friends are trying to, like, say this to you. This is bullshit. You stick with Dr. Saperstein. You stick with all these things that are happening. 
And it just made me so angry when he did that because it was just so... Yeah. Even, even, even if he wasn't part of this covenant doing all these things, even if it was just like, I think I'm right, it's still an asinine thing to do. Because well, what a husband and wife need to do is sit down and discuss, okay, pros and cons, what's the best for you, what's the best, everything. And he's just one-sided, he doesn't give a shit about her pain, about any of that stuff. It just goes on and on and on and on, and he's just like, no, 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 stick with these people, they know what they're doing. And like, he's so close-minded and so asinine, but the scene brought a lot of anger out of me, and I'm watching it, like, I, I was telling Rick, I was watching it on my cell phone. I had it up here with my eyes, and I'm going, motherfucker, this guy, this guy. But, he, really um, is, he really is a scumbag. And, like, when, when it, women's bodies are used as, like, transactional items mm-hmm. and used as, you know, basically like fucking cattle so much, and it's like, for what? So you get that part? It's not like he's... It, even, like, taking apart the fact that it's fucking horrifying in and of itself, they're not destitute. They're living on fucking Central Park. He's a working actor. And he just, like, I need to be super successful. There is no satisfying this man. He's a real fucking scumbag. Yeah. yeah. That that ties into the, the, the um, f- feminism, woman's liberation, because Guy represents a manipulator, a liar, a gaslighter, an abuser. And he represents the American husband. Yeah, yeah. At the time of 1965, where the movie takes place. Yep. So, my number two scene is the sort of end result of all this gaslighting. You know, all of this, uh, you know, all this bullshit that she's been dealing with, and that is the scene where Rosemary finally goes and speaks with Doctor Hill, mm-hmm. her original doctor, and everything she's telling him we know to be true at least you know from the perspective that we're seeing but it's she's so deep in she's been lied to she's been fucked with so much that the truth now is so distorted that i mean there's nothing in the movie saying that dr hill is a bad guy Right. I mean, we. I mean, you can you can theorize like, oh, is he in on it? Maybe that was I was going to ask you. What do you, do you I, guys think he's part of the covenant? Did he just no. Do, you, oh, is he just doing what he like? She's insane. No, if she if he was part of the covenant, he'd be there at the end. I feel right, like. right. But it, it's you can one hundred percent see where he's coming from. Where like even Rosemary's like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's like all this stuff that's been building up for nine she's months. She's nervous. She's shaking. She, yeah, she's scared, and. She, she just is worried about her baby. Because at this point, I almost forgot because I knew about the movie. You know, I knew it's like it's a it's a movie about the Antichrist uh, in a lot of ways. But I kind of forgot that, oh, she doesn't have any suspicions about that. She just thinks they're going to take the baby. Right. Like, she thinks it's a normal child. Right. And it's like, it's just a mother that's afraid of a vulnerable woman who's been made vulnerable and... You know, the classic signs of abuse that this woman is going mm-hmm. through. It's like she is separated from her friends. You know, she's... Like, her husband freaks out when she gets the haircut. Because it's like... Yeah. He didn't control that. There's like... And, you know, literally the, the Tannis root is like meant to be a physical manifestation of that control. That these, these people have over her. And she does not have the autonomy... To make her own decisions, and the fact that it comes out in this, and you just like feel for her so bad because you just, you just want Dr. Hill to believe her, but you just know that even if you were in his position, you couldn't. 
but that she's... But, but that twist is like so heart wrenching. <laughs> it is when he opens that door and yeah. you see Saperstein and her husband. You're like, fuck. Yeah. And, and that's my reaction. Was like, I am so invested into this movie that I am like, God damn it. Yeah. You know, like she finally had somebody on her side, and then nope. Imagine what she would have been like if she knew this was a coven. Like she started to catch on a little bit, yeah. but you know, I wonder like if she was like straight up, they're Satanists and they want your fucking child. You know, well, they, early they, on they give they give you a hint of that when she's in the phone booth, she's talking to herself. Great scene. Yeah, there is. It's a great scene, great and she scene. says, "Oh, if they're gonna hurt my baby, I'll kill them all." Yeah, you, know, you got a little hint of that. Maybe that's an action movie. Yeah, I love the, uh, the, in the Rosemary's special, Revenge. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the phone booth, there's. Sorry, I'm stepping on anybody's toes. But that's no, a favorite scene. Go. But the phone booth is um, it, the music gets really intense towards the end of the scene. And there's a guy standing with his back to her, and you're like, shit. Yeah, and it's it, 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 it being just a regular guy, but mm-hmm. the way Polanski does that, you know, with the tension in the music, it's very, it's very. Uh, she's isolated, but she's stalked. Yeah, yeah, she can she will not be able to be feel safe ever again. She's she like that is sort of what abuse is. So it's like Whew. So yeah, let's uh let's get to our number one scene. I bet there'll be some crossover here, but I I've been surprised before. Chris, your number one. Um so my number one, I think we might all be on the same page here. My number one scene is uh the finale. Yeah. That finale. The finale all around. He'll say. Yeah. He'll say. Uh, you really get to see. So this movie has an incredible cast. Yes. And everybody gets to do something great with acting in that scene. Uh, the cast of vets, yeah. Rosemary and John Cassavetes all get incredible moments. The in odd photographer. Yes. Yeah. The, oh, I was like, what? Everyone's represented. You know, it's like the, here the Satanists and. And it's again, it's the, the mundane aspect of evil. Yes. Yes. It's just like, this is just another day to them. And like, it's great because all the major parties are acting, they're almost like in different scenes, but it works because, yeah, from their perspective, they are in different scenes. Like, most of the people in the room are like, oh yeah, like here's a here's like a fun, you know, like here's like a fun party we're at to celebrate mm-hmm. our victory. And you have... There are a bunch of Karens and... Yeah, and, right. right. Yeah. And... You have Rosemary, who's like freaking the fire naturally, right. freaking out, and you have I guy, you know John Cassavetes' performance in the scene when he just like turns away from the camera, like he can't look at anyone, yeah, because like he's finally the shame, the shame, like he's finally confronted, and he's still at one point trying to like get Rosemary. This is gonna be great. We're gonna be rich, blah blah blah, blah. And, and she spits in his face. Yeah. Again, oh, shame. And, yeah. Another great moment. And, I mean. You know, today, I, I, who, what actors don't even want you spitting in their face, but these two actors are like, let's do this thing where we do this. Nailed it. Yeah. And I will say this, and this is going to seem maybe odd to some people, but I have used the word Satanist twice, and I shouldn't, because those people yeah. aren't real Satanists, and yeah. I know if, there's people, if they're Satanists right, actually right, listening yeah, to this, yeah. you know, that, you know yeah. that I don't mean what I yeah. mean, because I actually know what yes, Satanism is. I, actually know de- what de- de- I, I double, double worship and Satanism are I different things. I double yeah. which is, I, it's, just, yeah. it's just a movie, the way they portray them is different. We've been throwing it loosely, it's 1966. Right, right. Yeah. Listen, um, we but, love Satanists. All the Satanists. Come on our show. I mean, yeah. I, have friends, I, have, I have friends that, that, that identify oh, yeah. Satanists, yeah. and they're not what people think they are. Right, yeah. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. But I, I will say that true. a lot of those people in the scene, they're witches, or they're part of the coven, or they just kind of seem like followers. Like, I, I can't look at those people and go, oh, they're definitely witches. They look like regular people who are mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is fun. You know what I mean? So, 
I'm just like, I don't know, I don't feel... Because you picture a group of people like that. You picture them looking, like, kind of fucked up. In my vision of, like, what that would be, would be more, like, people with, like, weird eyes. It ties into, like, the cultist and the, you know, Illuminati, for lack of a better word. A little more cartoony scary. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, like, regular people who were like, no, this is what I believe. I think that made it even scarier that these regular people in suits were like, hail Satan. I think he's trying to intentionally tie it into, like... Lack of a better word, Illuminati, cultists, um, inherited wealth, these types, of, like the class thing. I think inherited health is a big one, yeah. Inherited wealth. Yeah. <laughs> inherited health. We passed down perfect <laughs> health to our child. This <laughs> Look at yeah, you have it. You have, and then if you yeah. look at it from that perspective, if Polanski was trying to you know put that in there just as a, an ode to whatever, you look at it from that. Pers- this is basically the basis of QAnon. Think yeah. About it. Yeah. Oh, the, not far off. Yeah. There's a scene where they say before this scene, where where they tell her her baby died, and he pulls a napkin off his neck. Do you guys? Yeah. yeah. He comes yeah. in. He's wiping his mouth and pulls a napkin, and she knows about the cannibalism of babies from this building, and she knows about his connection to his father. And he comes in. He's like, "Oh, we're sorry. The baby didn't make it." Yeah, it looks like oh maybe he was a doctor and he was working on the thing, but it's like he pulls something from his neck, like yeah, hinting to to Rosemary. Gaslighting Rosemary like, oh, they ate my baby. Fuck yeah, this scene is is unbelievable. Like it's, it, and the fact is like you don't you see the the eyes of the devil briefly, but it's just a scene yeah. of people sitting in a room basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're so right about that, and and I and I always love horror horror movie or horrific scenes where yeah. you don't actually see what they want you to see. You have to use your imagination and be like, what does this baby actually look like? And that even made it more strong to me, knowing that like they kept it ambiguous. Right. It's not just like here's this really bad 1968 crappy image of a baby. We're gonna be like, oh, that was yeah. stupid. Keep it. Keep it. Keep the mystery beautiful, alive. Beautiful. And then back to the whole, you know, women's lib and fe- feminism. <clears throat> Here she is, knowing how bad this situation is, how toxic this is, and then she assumes the position of housewife and mother. Yeah. And he let Rosemary rock the cradle. She's rocking the baby. It's her. It's her son, yeah. after all. Too because fast. And doing it too fast. Yeah, because, yeah. Because they've abused this woman. Yeah. To the point where now she has, she has given up. It's a, it's a tragic. That's why I say like it's a, it's it's a new Hollywood ending. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a very tragic. Like it's it's a little bit before a new Hollywood era, but it's DNA is there. And uh, my favorite line probably from the whole movie is. Uh, yeah, drink this, you'll feel better. What's in it? Is it That's tennis a, root? Yeah. It's ordinary Lipton tea. Yeah. Come on, Ruth Gordon kills that line. She's, oh, she's Cracks so me up. I can't I have, wait for recasting. I have the <laughs> ultimate recast. Oh, and I can tell you, because this is an uh, audio medium, is that what you call this, it, This Rick? is an audio medium. Yeah. I spent time on this. <laughs> this smile on, on Rex's face yeah. is ear to ear. He looks like this, the Grinch. He just stole she, is, she is an actress who I picked, who we haven't even mentioned yet, and uh, she is so... Unbelievably fucking underrated as an actress, you would kill okay, this we'll role. Okay, get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. So, all right, so let's. That's the stuff we liked. Uh, let's get to some unpleasant business. Um, what's our least favorite thing? About- uh, let me start because okay. I actually yeah. didn't, I didn't take that route because yeah. for me I'm just trying to separate right. real life from the. I want to talk about the film. This, this topic comes up way too much. On yeah, this show. And yeah. I mean Hollywood, right? Yeah, it yeah. sucks. But you know, this for me is like. You probably both will correct me right now because I think maybe you guys have it figured out. But I kind of felt strange about, and I didn't get it at first because they didn't want her. To, they didn't want her knowing about the baby. When the baby was taken out, it was like, no, she's gone. She's gone. 
She's sitting there being medicated. She figures out, screw this shit. I'm going to not take the pills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak out. I'm going to find out because I hear a baby crying. Mm-hmm. They're telling me that, that, that it's a baby up on the other floor. But they, don't want me, they don't want me knowing this, right? But she gets into that room. And then when she gets there, they're like, well, you got to take care of it. But it's like, I thought they didn't want her to know. Now they're just like, well, I'll take care of it now that you're yeah. here. It, to me, it I, seemed a little weak. I don't know. I took that as another layer of yeah. the emotional torture. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah. You think they wanted her to find I, it? I yes. think they knew how beat she was. Yeah. That she can find it. I mean, they would... The ba- they wouldn't have had the baby crying. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that, that was Woodhouse the one thing. knew. They could, the yeah. they could have taken it to a different house. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. They, so I think their... The final piece. Yes. That was the thing. Is the final rush of like, she's going to walk into that room and she's going to feel good that her baby's alive. Because she thinks the baby's dead. And that's a part of the torture. But then the added circumstances of like, now look, yeah. look at your baby. And now she, she has these emotions that she can't separate. Right. 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 So then, okay, so I knew you guys would explain it, and I, and I had a funny feeling that it was manipulation, but I wrote it down because I was like, I'm not sure, is this the worst part? But no, it's not. It's actually a really cool part. Yeah, it actually I, became yeah. a really cool part it of it. So, yeah, yeah, worst part of the movie, Roman Plains, who's a fucking scumbag. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's talk about it real quick. I don't want to spend too much time on it, because this is a, a podcast about a movie, and not a podcast about a guy. Mm-hmm. But... Who we may or may not have studied in college. We may or may not have studied in college, yes. So, <laughs> Who also may or may not have been in Rush Hour 3 for some reason. <laughs> I've never seen it, but on your recommendation, it. I'm in. He's like a detective for no reason. <laughs> so, Rowan Polanski is currently on the on lamb, the lamb yeah. from the United States government uh, because he, I'm going to say allegedly because I don't know necessarily the rules, raped a 13-year-old girl. I think the allegedly doesn't work here. Doesn't this, not needed. He or he, did. he definitely he did. statutory. He's definitely statutorily raped. He may have forced himself upon. He definitely. It seems based on the details that I was able to find, manipulated this girl. She was obviously not an adult and couldn't consent anyway. Bad stuff. Bad stuff all around. Now, to me, the reason why it's relevant and I definitely want to talk a bit about it is because those actions are so counter to the themes of this movie. It's, you know, this movie is about the slow manipulation and using the power dynamics of this society and of this marriage to force this woman to do something that she wouldn't have otherwise done. The fact that he would then go on to do this to a girl, and the fact that obviously she was 13 makes it disgusting... Even more so than, you know, whether or not he would do this to any woman or any person. It, to me, makes it, makes him a hypocrite on top of it all. Yeah. I agree with that. The creative expression is definitely separate from the reality of the living situation. Yes. But Polanski, in, and I'm not, def- this is not a defense. This is, I'm just saying, Polanski is somebody who was raised... During the Holocaust, sure, violence, darkness, and evil is something. And, and I'm not defending. And never him. mind. Again, the next year, his wife and unborn child are brutally are slaughtered. Right. And it does not excuse it. No, no. It one may said not that, even yeah. explain it. But he was probably pretty fucked up after that. This dude is a dark person. Yeah. And when you say the themes of the film don't coincide with the way this guy lives. Well, watch Fearless Vampire Killers, watch Knife in the Water, watch Cul-de-Sac, 
these watch Repulsion, these films do coincide, The Tenant, these films yeah. do coincide with the darkness that's inside of this man who was ruined before he ever came to fruition. Is he a cinematic genius? I'm going to go on the you know, go on the ledge and say yes. Yeah. Is he one of the darkest people living breathing at any moment on earth? I would also say yes. Yeah. Again, it's something I wanted to talk about um just because of how it reflects upon the movie, how it reflects upon the work. It's a lot of times tough to separate it, especially now when we have so much of this, you know, the, the speaking out. I mean, we just watched a documentary about Rick, you know, that had featured Rick Flair and he was, you know, assaulting someone, you know, I mean, to, to be clear, not you know, raping anyone, but, you know, sexually assaulting. Am I going to not watch a Ric Flair match and appreciate that he's the greatest wrestler probably to ever live? It's tough for me to say that, but... Uh, yeah, because that's a super hot take. That You don't think Ric Flair is one of the greatest wrestlers to ever live? No, but you didn't say one of you. said the greatest. <coughs> Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Well, what? One of the greatest wrestlers to ever live. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I agree but, with you 100%. Right but though. again, it's, it, it's, it's to this point where Polanski, like you said, he's hit. You have to count his masterpieces on two hands, mm-hmm. but doesn't excuse what he did. I let me clarify that yeah. I was not excusing. Yeah, of course, and I'm not yeah. saying you were. Yeah, and, you. and I think that one of the biggest things on the planet to this day is still how many people to this day still listen to Michael Jackson constantly. Right. Yeah. and again, a lot of alleged things. Take it for what it is, but you know sometimes you have to separate the work from real life, and it's difficult. But yeah. Also, can, also a damaged person. Yeah, and we, we could say we could say that if we can take that away, he did a fantastic and, job in this and, movie. And you know what? If you can't, if you are one of those people, and I totally understand that you hear separate the, the art from the artist and roll your eyes, I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. If you can't do it, I don't blame you I don't whatsoever. Blame you I, don't, yeah. I don't blame you whatsoever. If you are that type of person who can do that and wants to do that, like we are, thanks for listening. You're probably If you're not, you're probably tuned out already. Probably didn't click play on this episode. So it's funny when I was in Greece, I went to one of Socrates's Socrates's. Is that yeah? Is that Socrates? Socrates. Socrates. Yeah. Socrates's. Yeah. One of his schools or the ruins of. Yeah. And it's like you know, there's monuments, there's there's rebels, and there's the ruins, and it's like oh, there's the fucking bathhouse where Socrates would yeah. molest children. Right. Didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's I mean, ancient Greeks were I'm a, I'm a Pluto fan now. <laughs> Pluto probably. You mean Plato? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm a Pluto fan. Pluto. It also, should be a planet. Pluto probably also had himself some. Uh, that I mean, that was. That's the. I yeah. mean, I'll be quiet in this house, but you know, ancient Greek society had uh, had a bit of an issue with that. I don't think she cares. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like Greeks. <laughs> All right, so that's the um, that's the that's the tough part of the episode. Let's go to medals. We're, this is going to be a, a an epic one, but I'm liking it. Oh, so, nice. So. Uh, medals Chris alright so I am an it's a privilege not so much a privilege to be here for another controversial episode you guys always call me when it's controversy time you volunteer you volunteer we would have you on all we give you a list of like 20 movies and you're like definitely Rosemary's Baby you gotta pick the best movies by fucking rapists and molesters I don't know what it is with you guys but to get back to medals it's an honor to be here for your introduction of John Cassavetes to the greatest movie of all time there podcast. One of my favorite filmmakers, one of the best writers, probably of the 20th century as a whole, 
he plays Guy Woodhouse, and his nuance and his choices are incredible. And if you don't watch this movie and hate this guy, Guy Woodhouse, find me. And he plays it. He's very likable at the beginning, yeah. and then as the movie unfolds, the charisma oozes. Yeah. Even as a scumbag, yeah, he's evil, but he's still charismatic. He's still charismatic. Yeah. yeah. John Cassavetes gets my bronze. Excellent, Derek. Uh, Ruth Gordon. Yep. I just. Mm-hmm. She's just. I. I don't think I've seen her anything else because I'm not as versed in older films as you are, Chris or Rick, for that matter. But. Uh, she just had some, a flair about her. You could tell that she's one of those actresses that just sinks her teeth so deep into a role. She just um, she's fluent in her movements, her eyes, her face, just the way she does everything. It was like right off the bat, I was like, she's just good. Yeah. You could tell if somebody's a great actor or actress. Yeah. But she, uh, Minnie Castavet, is one of those characters where like she's so pushy, but yeah. she's so quirky, and she's Nosy. so yeah, she just gets under your skin a little bit, and sometimes you kind of want to like her. Other times you're like, when she, you know when. Um, Rosemary's like, ah, please, please, just I don't want them to come in. Like she's eating dinner, and he hears the door gets closed and it's the dessert. She's like, oh, thank God she's not in here right now. I, we've all felt that, you know yeah. what I mean? People are like, oh God, I just don't want to be in this person's presence for a few minutes. And you can really feel that with this character. And I think Ruth Gordon knocked it out of the park. Isn't it funny about the way Ruth Gordon plays this role of Minnie? How much New York yeah. annoyance she puts on it? Like, yeah. She's just letting everyone know, as an actress, like, all right, the most obnoxious people is a New York, a rich New York housewife. Yeah. yeah. That's her her vision. I'm probably going to butcher this accent, but I love the way she's like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I loved it because it seemed natural, like, yeah. oh, regular person who's just a goof. Like, from New York. But no, no, she has a really yeah. dark, dark side. Yeah. And yeah. you don't normally see that the dark, dark people like being, like, friendly and nosy and I'm this. And it's a really cool, weird contrast. Evil grandma. Yeah. So, my bronze medal is a tie. Uh, between John Cassavetes, which you know, Chris uh, brilliantly brilliantly went over, and also Satan, Satan gets my bronze medal tie, a big dub for Old Scratch. Not, not the one. not the actor. No, no, Satan, Satan, two, Satan. Two the devil, Beelzebub, Mephistopheles himself. <laughs> yes, big D, Old Scratch, he gets the bronze medal. Beelzebub. That's for those keeping score. One medal for Satan, <laughs> zero medals for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm kind of protruded by the fact that yeah I'm a fan of the show without being a guest. Yeah. Me and Rick usually cheat. Rick just I cheated. Did. I did. Rick I cheated. Did. I mean, is it a cheat at this point? I mean, I mean to not be for fair, because we don't. To be fair, cheat. no worry, I'm about to cheat. <laughs> I, to be fair, I cheated for the devil. <laughs> That's funny. Rick cheated for the devil. Yep. Wow. Devil gets us all, doesn't he? He does. He'll get us. No, he's cool. Yeah, he's uh, Satan. <laughs> Derek. No, uh, no, it's Chris's turn. I lied. Derek, Chris, use your silver. All right, so, guys, come on. We all love acting. We all love performances. Yep. This movie's filled with them. Yeah. Mia Farrow. Yeah. When you came time to, when we do the recasting segment, like, you're thinking about the nuance of this role. You're thinking about the shakes and the nervous twitches and the yep. eyes and the softness of the voice and the innocence and, and the fright, the terror, and the fact that this character, from even the very beginning of the film, suffers from PTSD from being raised Catholic. Yeah. She has past trauma before any of this happens. Yeah. This, I mean, also, you know, Mia Farrow has allegations against her as well. Nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The performance, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. She she tends to be in the orbit of these, these guys, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Derek, you're, you're silver? Yep. Uh, Ty, uh, John Cassavetes and Mia Farrow, um... 
The Woodhouses. The Woodhouses. There's something about the two of them and their chemistry. Mm. And it just seemed, like I said before, when you're watching movies, sometimes you just feel it, sometimes you just don't. Mm-hmm. And it, it really has to do with the acting and like how believable is this. And I just believed everything they were doing. Yeah. Um, I think they played off each other so well. And I like John Cassavetes. Like, he's very jumpy and like very... Uh, you know, he's nervous. He knows he's, he's doing he, something yeah, wrong. Yeah, he's full of shit. But, like, yeah. but yeah. like, he's so suave that you believe him a little bit. Yeah. And I was believing him a little bit. Yeah. And then with the thing with the glove and, and the blindness of the guy and getting a role and all this stuff. And he just tried to... He made it seem like, wow, these things are happening out of my control. And I should feel sad about it. But yeah. it's good that my career is going. And she's just like looking at him like, yes, like, I my husband. And he's yeah. a fucking... So manipulative. And that's the big word. But he plays it so well. And Mia Farrow is this poor little, like innocent person who's just trying to live her regular life and she has to just deal with this shit and it's just it, you know just all the things in the, the, the part I mean Mia Farrow she, she eats a fucking like raw liver for the movie and she's a vegetarian in real life like she is dedicated to this movie and you can see it, it you know um, but uh, they're, they're, they're tied I couldn't really pick one over the other I like them both so much yeah so I mean my silver is Mia Farrow as well and we so rarely in the, the show as we've done it. Just the movies we picked, not on purpose, so rarely get such a leading female performance, mm-hmm. leading actress performance. And this is a fucking powerhouse performance. Especially in the 1960s. In the, yes. In the, in the 60s, the fact that she is, she starts out so meek and, you know, as you said, perfectly. She has PTSD. She, she has no backbone at first. And then... She finally, like, unfortunately too late for the character, but finally is able to stand up for herself. And the that final scene, when she just lets out that, like, she screams. And it's just like, she's like, you've gone through this journey with this character, and you believe every second of it. And it's just, it's just a phenomenal performance. Yeah, and that one moment, I think she's like, I forget if it's, like, I think before the party or something, but she stops drinking that stuff, stops mm-hmm. taking the pills and stuff. And she just has that moment of, like, she just stops and she smiles, and you're like... Through the baby kick? No, no, no. She doesn't feel pain for like a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I think we've all felt like, I, I, I will never understand pregnancy and female pains. The female body in general is like... Well, that goes without saying, you, you, Yeah, you, I mean, I, I'm a man and I got the, the good end of the deal because we have a lot <laughs> less problems. And it's not fair, right? But when I see her like, I'm not in pain for a moment. Like, right. that is beautiful. It's like, There's, finally, yeah, she just yeah. has some relief. There's that thing. other line where her friend says, since November, you've been in pain like this? Yeah. And your doctor's doing this yeah. too? And as men, we're like... Well, that makes sense because women should have pain medications that help them not have pain, right? That makes sense yeah. to our brains because we take medication for headaches. That this scene, poor woman has been in pain for months yeah. straight. It's that like, scene actually almost made my top three because it was like such a breath of fresh air to be like normal people having a normal yeah. conversation with a woman who's experiencing pain. It's just like not people who are trying to like fuck with her completely. Right. I'm not gonna lie when I say this, I'm getting more excited to talk about this, but I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since since I watched yeah, it. Actually- and I'm really excited to just watch it again this month before Halloween. I want it to be like super late at night, light shut off, and I just want to watch this as just like an art, like a fan of just art. Yeah. You know, so I'm excited to see this again. So I'm guessing based on the names that have come up so far, we probably all have the same gold. Am I Satan? Yes, Satan. Well, Satan was my bronze. <laughs> Satan was gold. Hey, I gotta ask you. Between your gold being Satan and my gold being you know who, what's yeah. the difference? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We well, made, yeah. Hey, listen, so, Satan was the most beautiful. So is angel. it is it um, is it Polanski all around? Uh, I actually have it a tie. I think okay. Ira right. Ira Levin, the writer too, okay. is just very thoughtful and very. Um, it's just it's not a very like tricky story. 
Um, he, he basically sets the story in place. Woman with her baby. Coven wants the baby. But he surrounds it with this amazing uh, sense of manipulation and, like, very strangeness. And I, I'd like to read the novel, actually. I'm actually I, interested in reading I it. I haven't read the novel, so I can't even know what's, what Ira owns of this thing. Yeah. But I do know the cinema. Yeah. So my gold is Roman. Yeah. I, I did read in some of the uh, IMDb notes that it was very odd how close the book was to the novel, apparently. It was, like, very odd. They were, like, all the little details of, like, um, Roman, when he, when he was leaving into the cab, he had something in his hand, and that's exactly what he had in the novel. Like, Roman Polanski, yeah. like, really, like, read the novel. Well, this, this is his first adaptation. Yeah. So he probably, you know... Wanted to stay faithful Gets to this it. big contract, yeah. first American movie, first adaptation. Like, oh, I can't, I can't fuck up this book. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, the way... Where he positions the camera in this movie. Oh, camera work. And how, yeah, it is flawless. Yeah. The, the way it's, those scenes are, like, you, you don't necessarily think about, like, the blocking of a scene while you're, like, consciously while you're watching it. But this, like, I, like, paid attention to it. Right. Because, like, where right. they're standing is... Integral. It, it's, yes. Framing. How, the framing, how people are shot. When you first, you're in the, the cast of its apartment. Yeah. And Roman, like... With the Alicia Cook Jr. scene? Alicia yeah, Cook Jr. gives him the yeah. tour? Yeah. Well, that, and also, like, when you, when you, when they, the cast of it's cooking dinner for the first time, mm-hmm. and Roman's going off on this whole thing, it's like, oh, I traveled everywhere. He's, like, across the right. room, and he's Dully lit, lit half in mm-hmm. shadow. Mm-hmm. It's, I, like, I was like, oh, wow. And, like, like I said, the, the scene where Cassavetes is not looking at the camera. Like that's that's definitely a partnership between director and actor. You know, yeah. that's neither of them are gonna make that decision one hundred percent. Right. Yeah, and just yeah, it's, Go- the, gorgeous photography. Yes, the way the camera moves during a lot of this yes. stuff. So back then, when the camera moved, it was because there was a hundred guys on horseback rushing to the battlefield. Yeah. So the camera would sweep and show you the big scope, and you get yeah. the scenery and the sunset and the fight. This camera moves rapidly. Through a cramped apartment, yeah, where there's only three subjects: this guy, this guy, and that guy, and the camera moves with them. A lot of camera movement. They didn't move the camera. Do you know how hot it is? Those lenses are this big, and someone has to pull focus on them as yeah. you move them. Do you guys ever like care about like atmosphere in movies? Like sometimes, oh, you, yeah. sometimes you just yeah. don't like the way a room looks. You're like, it yeah. doesn't do anything for me. It's like I want, I'm like, I don't know what yeah. it is about the atmosphere about this apartment. Yeah. It just feels so perfect, comfortable for yeah. me. Like in my brain. Yeah, I feel comfortable in there. Like it just every shot is beautiful. Like mm. I like the way things are placed. I love that op- that one of the first scenes where like they discover that something's blocked off. There's like a big shelf yeah. there, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I like the way it looked. It was very mysterious, but it made sense. And and then she she rehabs that closet. Yeah, you know, yeah. she paints it. It looks nice. So I love the atmosphere, and then I love the camera work on top of it. Yeah. So like it was just a double like I want to get up in a blanket and just watch this movie again and just like appreciate the art of how this movie was made. You know what I mean? So Polanski is I, I, I love the way. <laughs> this movie yeah, makes New York and Times Square specifically specifically right near Radio City Music Hall around Christmas time yeah it's like one of my favorite places to be in the world at any point and he and the movie just make it look so fucking awful he sucks the fun out yeah. of it he's a dark he, dude yeah. yeah but yeah I mean it's it's again you, you you hate to give it to him because of his personal life but like it's so I want to say it's so bad and that's that I think it's some of the best direction I've seen in this show we've done in this podcast so far but it's it's tough to say it under circumstances yeah. but it's just well he's definitely an auteur yes this definitely has his, 
it's if you gave this movie to any other director at the time, writer, because he did write the screenplay too, this is not the same movie. Mm. And Hitchcock was offered this movie by Bob Evans, who just became the head of the studio at yeah. the time, who went on to produce me and Derek's favorite, The Godfather. Yeah. This this guy Bob Evans is like, well, Hitchcock doesn't want it. Give it to this guy. He's he's Swedish or whatever. He's not really, he's Polish, but Bob Evans doesn't know the difference. <laughs> Somewhere Eastern, <laughs> give it, give it whatever. To this, give the guy the picture. <laughs> and if you if Hitchcock made this movie, you can go through and think about it. Yeah. Not the same movie. Yeah. Not as good. Probably different. different. Probably we're, a good Hitchcock, middle of the road Hitchcock movie. Every, not as good as this one. Every director we're doing this month has a is a genius in his own way. And you know, it, it, it's 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 a fucking murderer's row that, that we're doing this month, and you know to have Polanski lead it off, and I mean you can't say enough about how well crafted this movie is. It's 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 tough, but moving on. So now we come to one of my favorite parts of the show every week: recasting. And Derek has promised us a good one. So I have uh, I have the the two main couples uh, of the show. I have. Uh, I've, uh, Rosemary, I've got, I've got Minnie, and I've got Roman. I have a character also who we have not brought up yet, and that is Hutch. Mm-hmm. I Hutch. got Hutch too. Okay, I got Hutch. I'm right. very, so very, very proud of my casting. I okay. do also have the landlord. I did mention Alicia Cook Jr. Okay, the character. So out let's there. go. Who do you, who do you have for for a, uh, a landlord, Chris? Oh well, come on, guys, come on. It's Chris Bonapani on as the show. Landlord. Yeah, as the landlord. As the landlord, of course. All right, who, there we go. Perfect. Who, who do you think? Who do you think plays the landlord? Perfect. Who has played all of my recasting? The one guy, Danny DeVito. DeVito, yeah, DeVito. Can you just see DeVito in that? That's scene? weird. Help me move this armoire. <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody touched that thing. It's been there for years. If you're scratching your head listening to this, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny DeVito as the landlord. See, I thought you were gonna say Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right, I'll just go into the whole list and we'll get. To no, let's you guys. go. Let's do it. Let's. We'll, we'll. Once we get to the four, we all have a little, Yeah. All right. So you, you guys both had a, a hutch. So yeah. Chris, who's your hutch? Samuel L. Jackson. I act like I like that a lot actually. Samuel L. Jackson yeah. is Hutch. He's he's like looking out for him. He's Sam Jackson is probably I mean, come on, this is one of the greatest actors who ever lived. And he's playing the Hutch. Like not the Sam Jackson, the badass from the nineties. I'm a fucking children's <laughs> I'm a boy's adventure author, motherfucker. This is where you look to Hutch and you're like, Hutch can do some shit. Hutch yeah. Hutch can fuck this up. Hutch yeah. Hutch got Rosemary, but then you know, they get him in the end. Yep. Yeah. Off screen, so the guy. My, my Hutch is one of the biggest actors at, at one point. And I, I went with this actor because I just thought it would bring so much to this character, how important he is to Rosemary's life, and then he's gone. And that is Anthony Hopkins. Right. Uh, I see the, the wisdom of Anthony Hopkins sitting there, knowing something's wrong, giving Rosemary these books, you know, trying to figure this out, and then just when she needs him, he's dead. And he gets, he gets taken away because you, you're used to him being the villain or whatever it is. But I just like, I just pictured it. When I was watching this, I was going, ooh, I want somebody strong for this character. Because when you yeah. lose him, you feel you feel like you lost somebody. Right. You know? yeah. Well, Maurice Evans was strong. Like, yeah, oh yeah. I really, I really wish there was more of him, but it made sense. That was Dr. Zayas. Yeah. Planet of the Apes, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm aware. <laughs> okay. No, no, he knows. I just want to make sure. Uh, same <laughs> year. Only, that's same that's year. That's the only thing I think I know him from that I even, yeah. yeah. All right, so... Let's go to the ones that we all have in common. Let's start with uh, let's start with Roman. All right. Chris. I, I'd like to do my Roman last. Oh, 
You want to save Roman? Because I think we're going to talk about it. I think you're going to. Well, talk that kind of that kind of like ruins me and Rick's uh, momentum here. All right, let me let me go ahead and Roman to me. Let's start and, off and, strong. And, yeah. and bear with me, guys. Okay. Close your eyes, both of you. Now we're live. Right. I want to see some eyes, eyes closed. closed. Eyes are closed. Ready? Where's my wallet? Fuck. Right. <laughs> Wait, who's holding my pack? Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Bill Murray. Yeah, you know, I actually considered him. I actually did consider Derek him. Derek is... The the smile from earlier has turned to a frown. No, I'm smiling because, <laughs> I mean... Bill Murray is Roman. I actually... You know, I, I like that a lot. I considered him because I... Was really thinking, I was like, who is like someone who's like, I could look and go, oh, he's a world traveler. You know, he's. But here's my thing if somebody says to you, think of these three actors Danny DeVito, Samuel Jackson, and Bill Murray. Yes. I'm not thinking Rosemary's Baby. This is fantasy booking. This is what we do. This, this is our fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, I went a different direction. <laughs> All right, who do you have for Roman? Um, I'm really proud of this one. I went with Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, uh, that's he, a good Roman. He's just—I um, don't know—I can't explain it. Yeah. When he's in a movie, he's very controlling, yeah. and uh, he seems like that guy next door would be like very wisdom, you know, very fucking, smart and stuff like that. And fucking creep. Yeah, and then eventually you're like, wait a minute, this guy's up to something. Yeah. And uh, I, I just liked so far Hopkins Wilkinson. I like the the contrast of these very smart guys going head to head. One of them's gonna lose. All right, so I've uh, I like it. Get a guy who I think can be very authoritative when needed. And I think you could look at that guy and go, oh, he's a world traveler. I think if he, you could say like his accent, it's like, ah, oh, can I really place it? Michael Caine? But no. <laughs> uh, Ian McShane. Oh, McShane. That's yeah. Good, good like call. McShane. Yeah, yeah. Good. McShane is fucking twisted. He's a, he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. He, he can play like the good, like good dude. But when he turns it on, he's like, yes, I'm the head of this fucking coven, cocksucker. Yeah. How about McShane yeah. doing the... Uh, let Rosemary rock the cradle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can hear it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to Minnie. Let's go to Minnie. Oh. Chris. I have two for Minnie. Two, okay. So this is a cheat. We'll, t- we'll, we'll decide which one we like better. <sighs> Louise Fletcher. Okay. Have you guys seen what she looks like now? Nurse Ratchet. No, of, I, I know of I know Nurse Ratchet. Ratchet. I haven't seen her recently. She's, Google her now. Mm-hmm. She could, I mean, this is Nurse Ratchet here. Yeah. She could do it. But more modern to fit the age range of my Rosemary, I have Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Do you guys know this woman? Yeah, oh, yeah. So also Our played story, Nurse Ratchet. Uh, you yeah. picked graduate. Two, you you played you picked two character actresses who played Nurse Ratchet. Let's put her <laughs> into a, a, a creepier, quieter role. Like let's take. Oh yeah, she's let's been not a, a ton do, of a season American Horror. We're story. not playing Ruth Gordon's mini. We're playing a new mini. She is. is a, yes, uh, Sarah Paulson. I feel like it is not a biggest as big a star as her skill, like as her as befits yeah, yeah. her skill. As I, I understand. Yeah, but the look yeah. for yes. this part, and yeah. you're not doing Ruth Gordon. You're not yeah. doing yeah. the obnoxious exactly. Upper East Side wife. It's funny because I think mine is like a Sarah Paulson that's a little bit older. Let's okay. hear it. Um, I'm really proud of this. Okay. One. I have not used her yet, and I think she is one of the most underrated actresses in Hollywood, and that is okay. Marcia Gay Harden. Yeah. Pick one, yeah. She, okay. I've seen her in uh, Law and Order. I've seen her in uh, Mystic River. She is like an actress's actress. And I just picture her made up yeah. and kind of like so crazy. So doing the Ruth Gordon shit. Yeah, shook. Tom Wilkinson very kind of like, yeah. well, I'm smart. And yeah, her yeah. be kind of like the white guy. Well, you got to do this, you got to do that. Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. picture those two together. Yeah, good um, contrast. Yeah. So mine is an actress who has been in a movie we've covered before. Uh, 
She is at times very likable, but can definitely be very assertive with her opinions. So, which I think works very well for a character of Minnie. And uh, she is in a movie where she also had sex with the devil. So that is Susan Sarandon. Oof. Yeah, that's a good one, right? Kit, does Minnie have to be that hot, though? I think she does. I think I'd like her more with the Sarah Sarandon bosoms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would like her too much. I'd be like, I hope Minnie wins this thing. <laughs> Minnie deserves it. Hey, listen, we're Ian not McShane. That's, a, that's, yeah. that's good acting. Ian, with, with Ian McShane. Ian yeah. McShane and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, and, I'm in. I'm yeah, in. You, yeah. You, you, yours is very much challenged my opinions. But I think Rick wins casting. I, 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 I still think mine's... Let's get... Let's get to the Woodhouses, though. Yeah. Okay. Chris, who is your guy Woodhouse? Rami Malek. Okay. Fucking creep. Yeah. Fucking asshole. I think he's too weird looking to play the role. He's perfectly weird looking, but that's why this guy has not made it in the acting world. Like, John Cassavetes comes in as a struggling actor. He's saying the character of Guy is The not character of Guy, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Right. John Cassavetes comes in as Guy Woodhouse, and you're like, why hasn't this guy made it as an actor? Then he starts doing the shit with the devil, and then he starts pumping. Rami Malek, with that face, I can see... Good actor, hasn't made it as an actor, gaslighting, manipulator, falls right into the Satanist, I mean, we don't want to use, falls yeah. right into the cultist shit that's yeah. going on, Rami Malek, that creepy, but he can also do the whole, like, I'm a warm husband, Yeah. but you could je- definitely see what a sellout. I, <laughs> um, I went with somebody who was like, I wanted somebody very handsome, Yeah. very handsome, very likable, he's the yeah. husband, and then you just hate the fact that he's so handsome and suave yeah. and that I just pictured Jake Gyllenhaal in this role as somebody who's like how am I supposed to hate this fucking guy and he's so manipulative and he's the good actor and he's yeah. like you gotta take this stuff yeah, and you're yeah. like cause he's, he's good in every movie he's in he's the good guy most I, of the time so, so I think that's a great take Yeah, but I have to refrain how excited I get for that until I hear you Rosemary Okay, my rosemary. We'll, we'll, we'll get my there. rosemary is. is, yeah. is oh, okay. He just clutched his. He notes. did. He's, hugging, he's kissing his notebook. This is weird. <laughs> I think my I think my casting is just is just okay. I think I could maybe do a little better, but I'm so I'm I like that, right now. I like that we all kind of went in different directions because my my guy is an actor who is very likable most of the time, but I've seen him in at least one movie where he ends up playing a total fucking scumbag. And he is, I think, a guy who, if he wasn't a star already, and you look at him and go like, he could be on the back nine of his career. Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Sudeikis, I, see, I watched every season of SNL he was in. Get SNL out of your head. I can't. Have you seen Colossal? Colossal? Everything I've seen him in is just complete, have you, like, utter Have you funny. seen Colossal? Yeah. No. No. Watch Colossal. All right, it'll right. change your mind, and we'll come back to this. Yeah, because okay. he he okay. plays. He kind of has looking a little better right now. He kind of has. <laughs> yeah, a, he kind of <laughs> has a similar. Yeah. Uh, arc. Right? I loved his Joe Biden. Yeah. So when it's you say Jason Segel, all I'm picturing is like the kooky Joe Biden. Yeah, like, you get that out of your head. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Actually, Joe Biden would make a really good Roman. <laughs> Listen, Rosemary, get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> no, Donald Trump would make a great Rom- uh, a great um. <laughs> Great guy. <laughs> Rose, nope. Nope. Wrong. Forget it. Shut up. What do those bitches tell that you? Shit wrong. What do those bitches tell you? <laughs> Are you in there talking to those bitches? <laughs> oh my god. Alright, 
here's the uh, here's the big one. Here's the big one, Chris. Who do you have for Rosemary? I mean, thank God I go first because this yeah. isn't this is not going to make you guys sit shoot off your one. body. Okay. But I spe- I labored over this one. I really wanted to put some diversity on this role. Okay. But when I went to go throw the ball, all that came out was my two seam, yeah. and uh, Emma Watson. Okay. She has the skill. Yeah. She she's has the, the look. She's got the range too. She's yeah. got the range. She's got the skill, the look, the range. Yeah. yeah. So I went with, and then to compare her, like I said, the guy casting depends on who's your Rosemary. Yeah. Her and Rami Malek, I think, would be such an eyesore for the crowd. You know, it's like, yeah. ugh, look at this. How did this sleaze ball? Right. Nab this one. So here's the here's a role that Derek hugged his notebook over. She was so made for this remake. Okay, okay, I can't she wait. She was made for this remake. I can't because I didn't think Picture of it. Picture short blonde hair, mm-hmm. Michelle Williams. Yeah, she's all over this fucking role. She's she's she's. I think she is, but not Shutter, right now. Think Shutter. Well, I actually um, it was weird. I think Guy. Well, I I should, I should say I think uh, John Cassavetes was like forty something, and and then she was um, in her twenties. And yeah. I was like, well, and, and Michelle Williams here would be much older. She'd be like probably in her forties. Yeah, yeah. For but sure. she still has a young face to me. She's short. She's kind of has that like. But I, 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 you know, a lot of directors think of other movies like, oh, I picked her because of this movie. A lot of directors do that. For me, I'm thinking of Shutter Island, mm-hmm. yeah. and the the trauma that she goes through and the craziness. And I was just like, I think she'd be. And then I thought, I thought of her and Jake Gyllenhaal, the beautiful couple, and they're just yeah. fucking. It's just whacked out. The ideal American couple just getting ripped down. I got a little. I got a little cute with my uh, with my. My Rosemary casting. I mean, number one, got to be a great actress. You know, I'm thinking Roman Polanski. I'm thinking Once Time Upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Margot Robbie. Yeah. 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 I see, I see I it. I think I think she'd be a great. I think she'd be a great Rosemary. I I think of a lot. Of, I think a lot of her as an actress. Who's your guy again? Uh, my my guy is Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. So it has that same kind of age mm-hmm. difference. Of the maybe we change your your Roman to uh, Jeff Bridges. I had Jeff Bridges written down. I know. I've seen the Bridges looking. I had Jeff Bridges written down. Isn't it Ian McShane you picked? He picked McShane. I had him him written down. But we're going to go, we're going to like McShane. I I don't know. He was my second. Go Jeff Bridges. I don't know. McShane's the one that he, that I really like. Yeah, I I had Jeff Bridges. But the way the rest of his cast rolled out. I had Jeff Bridges typed out and I was like, it's like 90% right for me. Let me look. And I saw Ian McShane. I was like, that's, (laughs) I was like, that's the guy. I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'm not, I don't dislike your casting, but I think me and Rick went 15 rounds just now. Well, here's the thing. I think I went 20 rounds. And there's also sting in boxing. So. <laughs> Chris so, is just shit. We've left the rain. Chris is like, there's nobody <laughs> in the arena is buying the Guys, come on. You have, to have, you have to have the veto. Give guys, the, the guys. Give the well, People Chris, are, you're going to give us a great fa- show tomorrow. Fans of the show, can you get any more exciting than when we do these recasts? Like, <laughs> that was the most excitement I've had in a week. My heart's racing. But what about Hutch? Like, obviously Hopkins, yeah, that's a cheat code, but Sam Jackson is Hutch. Come on. Brilliant. All right, so that is recasting. <laughs> is there anything else that uh, that we haven't talked about? We've covered a lot of yeah. ground with this one. Least favorite. We did least favorite. Did I? Yeah, we talked about Polanski. Yeah. He's come back for the most part. Oh, I didn't get to go. Did, okay, you had, you had something else? Uh, Derek. I know you're a big music guy. Music, least favorite. You don't like the music? W- in the it, w- it wasn't like um. It just takes just me. Out the, of yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the least. It's not super strong. Take but does it need to be? Yeah. I think they were still finding the genre. Yeah. At this point, and I don't think the music nailed it. Okay. A lot of jazz, a lot of goof. A lot of goof. It was kind of goofy, yeah. A lot of jazz, a lot of goof. Because there was definitely a jazz subtrack, but then there was like big moments that should have been more suspense. Like 
music in horror movies gets perfected later. But if I will say this, if it had like a psycho soundtrack, I probably would be that thing would be a little cheesy. No, no, it, does, I, it didn't mean that. Right, that's what I mean. Like that's why I'm like the music maybe. It didn't mean that nineteen but... mid nineteen sixties like dum 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 dum. You know, like that. Right, right. Basic jazz like dum 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 Yeah, yeah, that's. Well, I think. Our next week, next week's episode, Halloween, pretty much perfected the horror score. So, well, Rick's yeah. jazz rendition of it last week was, was yeah. amazing. But uh, I was in the shower when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Who is Rick singing to me right now?" Uh, so the the only thing, and this is a very small, small detail of the movie, and I, and I honestly don't know if this was just weird you know, character shit, or this was just like, oh, this was the 60s and they just, like, acted differently. Rosemary announces she's pregnant and everyone's like, let's celebrate with some wine. Yes. I was, I was like, <sighs> I was like, is that just, like... Gross. Is that just society? No, it's or gross. is that just, yeah. So, I just will, I mean, you can, you can cut this if you don't need it, but just to let you know, when you, when you work in, like, serving bartending, you have to get certified to do it, serve yeah. safe, and it is actually illegal to not serve a pregnant woman alcohol because it's discrimination. So... I mean, a little here and there. A lot of people feel that question on the test, though. Like, yeah. oh, if a pregnant woman comes in looking for a glass of wine, do you serve her? Most people right off the bat, they want to say, of course not. It's actually illegal to do that. Yeah. Well... I'm like... Her child is underage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's getting the majority of the beverage. Yeah. Completely awful. <laughs> and you're obliged to serve them. Alright, so let's uh let's go to the Oscars here. And this is indeed a year that Oof. we have talked about before. Oof. Because our winner here is, of course, Oliver. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so ceremony takes place in sixty nine. Summer of 69, when I was working at the drive-in. <laughs> I bought a guitar at the five and dime. That's where I met you. Is um, that when you got your first six string? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Standing on your mama's point. No, uh, <laughs> so, best picture, as we said, is won by previous episode, Oliver. Other nominees this year. This this episode, if you haven't listened to it, I'm not going to do it again this time because we're, we're starting to put other stuff in. I literally went through other Oscar nominees and decided that uh, all five nominees needed to go. But we're gonna do one. We're gonna go back and start doing one at a time. So best pictures won by Oliver. Other nominees are Funny Girl, The Lion in Winter, I believe Rachel, Rachel, and Zeffirelli's uh, Romeo and Juliet. Rochelle, Rochelle. Rochelle, <laughs> Rochelle. I'm going with Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> a weird. Uh, what was it? What was the, the the tagline for that movie? Rochelle, Rochelle. You know what I'm talking about? I, yeah, from Seinfeld. Seinfeld. I, I can't remember the... From, from Milan to... <laughs> a strange erotic journey from Milan to Mince. <laughs> Rochelle, Rochelle. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see that movie in Seinfeld. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, you know, what we're going to do, I think, is we're going to drop kick Rachel Rachel right out of there. Unless uh, unless we want to get rid of Oliver, Chris. Uh, <laughs> guys, please. I, I would kick... Derek, let go of me. Derek, <laughs> stop it. I'm sitting here patiently. <laughs> Honestly, you can kick all those movies out for the year. I think I think Oliver deserves to be there, man. That's just my opinion. All right, so we'll leave Oliver. It doesn't have for to now. win. I, I, for in fact, now. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually forgot that it won because when you said it, I thought you were joking. No, it won Best Picture. So it won Best Picture. So, yeah. I mean, I'm glad it's there. I'm not going to kick it out. I mean, out it's of, a musical. You know why it won. 
I'm good. Yeah, that, like I said, look, if look at the Oscars for the fucking ten years after this, and you go like, wow, shit changed in these right. ten years. So, so I think for going forward, you guys should start a clean slate for 1968. Right, that's the year 68. So the movies came out in 68. The Oscars yeah. took place in 69. So clean yeah. the slate. Oliver's in. Rosemary's Baby's in. There's your slate. Yeah, Rosemary needs to be in there. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's just insanity. Rosemary needs to be in there. I don't think we can clean the slate because there's actually a lot of movies from this year that, you know, yeah. we want to talk, like we mentioned Night of the Living Dead. Let's talk about Best Director. Sure. Carol. Carol St- Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick does not win. But that, you know, 2001. Yeah. Carol Reed wins. Carol Reed, probably a makeup Oscar for something. For his career. It's for his a, career. It's a lifetime, yeah. achievement. lifetime Achievement Award. Right. Kubrick is nominated for Space Odyssey. I believe it's uh, Gilo Pontecorvo for Battle of Algiers. Should be. should have been in the foreign section because they used to do that. The best yeah. foreign picture. Yeah, I mean, I, I think easily could be nominated for best picture. If I, I mean, if we're doing the Oscars yeah. over, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Well, let's let's go through. Let's Night do the best direct. Not a Living Dead. Sundance Kid. Butch Cassidy. I think Sundance. that's the year before. Oh, year before. Okay. Oh, Sam Peckinpah, The Wild Bunch. Yeah, there's a. Uh, Needless to say, this is a this is kind of a, a weak year for the Oscars. I think there's a lot of but a strong year for movies. Yes, yes. So, best director, like we said, uh, Pontecorvo for Battle of Algiers, Anthony Harvey for The Lion in Winter, and Zeffirelli for Franco Zeffirelli for Romeo and Juliet. I mean, I think we agree that. Uh, fucking Polanski needs to be the, just, just we, call him fuckface. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to agree that Polanski, aka fuckface, fuckface <laughs> needs to be nominated here. Yes. Yeah. Who do we take out? Clean the slate. Keep Kubrick in. Keep Carol Reed in. For, until further notice. Till you guys. I hit. think. I think we. T- I think we take out Anthony Harvey. Lion in Winter. It's. Listen, we have, we have a Shakespeare in there. We don't need another like fucking historical. Yeah. Oscar bait. Snorfest. Yeah. And then we set up a fucking showdown. Because I think we can agree. For, well, let's, let's go back. Best picture at this point until we get to our 2001 episode. Which I think is a real conversation. I think we say Rosemary's Baby should be the winner for best picture. Wait. Over the other nominees. Are you guys cleaning the slate? Though? No, we're keeping it. We're keeping so it as keeping a, it as we're just taking out it. that. Yeah. We're fucking. Um, All right, I agree with that. Thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we're 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 piecemealing it. We're, we'll add in ones as we go. It's the boat of okay. uh, of of Theseus. It's the ship of Theseus. Derek, yeah. do you agree that Rosemary's is over? Your biggest defended film in our last. I mean, it, it is tough for me because I'm going and uh, horror against a musical, a whimsical musical. Yeah. So to compare the two is a little difficult, but. I think um, as far as like um, you know historical significance, I'd say Rosemary. Yeah. So this sets up a fucking showdown for best director between Kubrick and and Polanski and Fuckface and inevitably George Romero. Yes. What a fucking year! Yeah. What a year! Huge year. Huge. I I don't know. I mean. I lean, I think, Kubrick. Just because 2000, 2001 would probably win Best Director against most movies. Every year. Every, yeah. like, in the history of fucking the Oscars. But, God, this is this is making it tough. 
like it's it, you know we've waxed poetic in this episode about how well this movie is directed i know and it's tough to say like sometimes you're you know what? Sometimes you're fucking Charles Barkley. I, I and, and Michael Jordan's just on the bulls and there's nothing you can do about it. I have to go with Kubrick. I have yeah. and, and the reason is because when we go back to the very first segment on the show, when did you first see this movie? That movie yeah. fucking made my brain explode yeah. and yeah. melt through my fingertips. Yeah. Whereas so, this movie You know what? Mario Lemieux's a great hockey player. But Wayne, but Wayne Gretzky's there. Yeah. Uh, you know? I don't know, man. Just, I haven't seen 2001. Then you are... So I can't, I can't decide. You you're, you're relieved from the stress me and wreck of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. One day I'll have that stress. Peyton Manning, great quarterback. <laughs> Pretty good. Not Tom Brady. Not Tom Brady. Sometimes you just run up... You know, let's... let's Tom Brady you know, is... Someti- too- sometimes you're Lou Gehrig and you're batting next to Babe Ruth. It happens. It's like, sometimes you're that good, but the person next to you is just the best. Yeah. I think that's the case here. Yeah. I want to make. I was trying to think of a really bad analogy on purpose. <laughs> like sometimes you have grapes, but then it comes a coconut. You're like, yeah. what? <laughs> what, why is that better? Well, you can be the Legion of Doom, but you'll never be a bushwhacker. <laughs> <laughs> you can be demolition, but you can't be the Legion of Doom. Uh, boo. <laughs> Rick's gonna get booed out of his own gonna... studio. Very high tech studio, guys. I wish you, you can could be. See it. You can be the Macho Man, <laughs> but Hulk Hogan is gonna be champion. You could be the best. That one actually confused me. You could take a, you could take the best bumps in the WWE. Dolph Ziggler. Come on. Yeah. No. Well, Dolph. But you're not no. the hot break hit. Dolph Ziggler should have went into sales because he's a yeah. salesman. Ziggler should have been at like a seven-time champion. You can be Shawn Michaels and be a pretty good wrestler, but Bret Hart is just always going to be better than you. Ric Flair didn't choose Bret Hart; he chose Shawn Michaels. Yeah, because Bret Hart had a fucking. Stroke. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm like, as I said it, I'm like, he did have a stroke. He, is, he had a stroke seven years before hey, that. Hey, match. spoiler alert to yeah. 1990s wrestling: yeah. Owen Hart was better than Shawn Michaels, but you know that's not. That's yeah, a hot we, take. We that's won't a, go that's a hot take. That's a Owen's hot take. Owen there. was that's a hot there. take. But I think I agree with it. He didn't get the booking. He didn't. He had the skill. He had the charisma. Shawn Michaels was the best ring performer of all time. He played heel. Michaels played babyface. The clip. Rosemary's baby. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, so Shawn Michaels is going to... What role is he going to... Shawn Michaels Michael Guy Woodhouse. I think yeah. Michael Hinkenbottom should play uh, uh, he, Guy Woodhouse. Yeah, he, he's done his share in acting. All right. Too. So that's the Oscars. Now we come to the most important part of the show. And uh, Derek, as he pounds those Cheetos... Ugh. Is that, says, is that what you're orange... eating for this movie? You didn't do we're snacks. Not, we're not there yet. Oh, okay. I'm is sorry. I'm jumping the these gun. Cheetos, has Cheeto dust all over his fingers. Do I? <laughs> he's, he's, no, no, no. I take one at a time because <laughs> you don't get the Cheeto stuff. <laughs> he's going to tell us why Rosemary's Baby is the greatest movie of all time in the next 30 seconds. Derek, are you ready? Let's fucking do it. <laughs> all right. Three, two, one, go. Uh, I would say if you are in any way, shape, or fan of uh, of just scary things, horror things, anything that happened to do with just strange things. Rosemary's Baby is one of those very. It's in its own category. It's just. It's beyond. It's beyond. Chris is making me laugh because he's slowly <laughs> drumming next to me. <laughs> Rosemary is, is is unbelievable. I think that everybody should see it. I think it's a one of those great, cold, strange October night movies. You will not be uh, upset about that. It's fantastic. All right, and that is time. That is time. There's almost thirty seconds exactly. Great job. I was cut off for a few seconds too, because I was. I, 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 I was next to me. And Chris was like, I, I was vibing. <laughs> what song were you drumming? Was it the was, greatest no, movie he, podcast? He was or? on stage, All right. and I was just giving him some backbeat. <laughs> All right, so uh, 
what are we eating with this now that now we're there? I'm thinking a really divine chocolate mousse oh, given chocolate. to us, oh. given to us by the great Minnie. How about it. how about some ordinary Lipton tea to wash? I'm just belly. hoping my chocolate mousse is not cho- chalky. You know, I don't want it to be chalky. I want the other one that he got. Chalky undertaste. Let's get an undertaste. Well, so let me ask you: When you watched it the other night, what did you eat? Um, I don't think I was eating anything. It was like 10:30, and I was going to bed in two hours. And right. Maybe I maybe I munched on something, but um, I will say though, if I did have a chocolate mousse in the fridge, I'd be going to the chocolate yeah. mousse. Thick, thick chocolate mousse. Not, Cause, going, cause not going the raw meat. I'm getting. The, he's doing a full this, pantomime. Cause this, cause this he movie, just spoons the chocolate mousse <laughs> oh, yeah. into his mouth. Because like this movie is a chocolate mousse. It's so rich yeah. in the way it's filmed, and Layers. it's just so good, man. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Give me a bite of that. You know what I saw earlier? This is off subject, but on on desserts. Remember those um those uh the, the penguin was the mascot. It was like kids meals. The frozen oh, yes. kid, yeah, kid yeah. cuisine. Kid cuisine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was one. It was like when Shrek came out. It was like. It was called like um. Don't feed this to your kids. It was like a cuisine. It was a green slop pudding, and it oh. was like this is like the green Shrek pudding, and it just looked unbelievable. I really? just, I want to taste it so bad. It, it looks good. horrible. Derek, you I were love... fourteen when Shrek came out. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, you were driving. You had your license when Shrek. Came you had out. a beard that same day. You I grew, me up. I grew a beard. And we saw got Shrek. Got my license, and I had a key cuisine that day too. <laughs> but no. Uh, I would say I would say chocolate mousse for me. I think just a rich yeah. dessert, and the, you know the the, the, the meta reference. Rick, what are you eating? Oh, pure raw liver, straight raw, from yeah, rib, just liver from a in, freshly dead animal. Liver in Barasso over here. Yeah. Um, I watched this last night. I had some kettle corn. Kettle corn with spicy well, pretzels. Just cause see, it's, see, I feel like kettle to me. Kettle corn is like a like a very autumnal. Like I'm eating that in the fall, so I, I don't, I don't yeah. know if that. Would, if I mean, that that's just, why I was in my cupboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If somebody was forced me like, hey, listen, not dessert, do a food. This movie is like a nice hearty hot stew. Stew, oh, stew just movie, the, and, yeah. the, and the beef in it just melts right off. Mm, it's just yeah. beautiful. Coats the inside of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or like a nice chili. The, you're in the, you're oh, yeah. in the leaves are changing. Ooh, chili. Cool I like the chili. But yeah. don't, but during the quiet seas, don't let me catch you slurping. Don't you fucking slurp, yeah, Derek. I don't want to hear this. If you slurp, we're done here. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> if I was in a scene at the end, the Hill Satan scene, I'd be, the, I'd be holding a bowl of chili. Yeah. Hill Satan! <laughs> that would actually fit if somebody was eating, like, just like a fucking... Bo- like, fucking <laughs> she's like, she's like off in the corner, <laughs> just like off in the corner crying, like, you want some stew? <laughs> it's just ordinary beef stew. No, I think I'm probably going to go with a uh, cotton candy Whopper Ooh. for this. I think. There should have been a, a, a cast iron thing there where they were cooking soup, like an over a fire. Very much I know, like a cauldron. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Cauldron was what we were looking for there. Yeah. All right. So that was our episode on uh, on Rosemary's Baby. That was a real fun episode. I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about October. Very spooky. Horror movies through the decades. In the present. Next week, the seminal, proto, granddaddy of all slashers, Halloween, the 70s. Jazz it up. Nice. That was my pantomime drum. That was real drumming. <laughs> week after that. Going to the 80s. Going to the early 80s. Going to a director we just talked about. I mean, about. it was likely made in the late 70s. I mean, it was released in the 80s. The Shining. 
lot. That's going to be one with a lot to talk about as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, wouldn't the shiny be? Yep. And we go to the '90s. Maybe the most '90s movie of all movies. Really? Scream. I thought you were going to say it's Pat. It yes, of course it's Pat. The <laughs> the hearth of the decades. It ends yes, Different of course it's show. Pat. It's Pat. And of course we're going to have a very special guest on that episode. My brother. Ooh. Coming in, <laughs> defending Whoa. his positions. Wow, that's going to be a big one. I'm glad I'm not here for that one. Yeah, the studio is going to get torn up. Yeah, well, I would have loved to have been a handicap match, but I guess yeah. no solo there. Uh, uh, yeah, cage match. Oh, Rick, Rick has still never released the full list. I mean, I sent, I sent. I, I have there. Yeah. You, you got them. Yeah, I got right, yeah, Well, let's put it, it on. It was put, put it on your socials. So it was so, aggravating. It, it was, it was aggravating because the math checked out. No, it was aggravating because they just made horrible choices. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was here the night they, they, they were revealed. Big time. I had a cardiac event. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to thank you so much for listening to our episode on Rosemary's Baby. We hope to join us next week for Halloween. I, as always, have been your favorite co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I've been your co-host, John Cassavetes-Smith. Bumsky. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary's Bowski. Yeah. Special guest, Chris. <laughs> Thank you again, Chris, for being on the show. First time, four time. First, first time. You're, you're, the la- you're, you're just now, you're just an official, like... First time, four time. <laughs> the first to the four. Chris Bonaparte. You're like, you're like premium member guest. I'm like Urkel. Wasn't in season one. Yeah. Everywhere in season two. It's so weird to think about, isn't it? Yeah. That is the show now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, keep watching, everybody. <laughs>